This is Mock Trial Flight School, Episode 2. Hey everybody, welcome back to the podcast. Today we're going to be talking about cross-examination. And just to give you some fair warning about my past uh, representing state of Georgia as a special assistant attorney general. I've uh, cross-examined many, many parents over the years, and I'll be honest with you. Uh, usually I didn't uh, have enough preparation under my belt to do it the way I'm going to be teaching you, so do what I teach and, and not what I've actually done in my career. And this is true with regard to the contrast between mock trial and real trial life, is that a lot of time we attorneys don't have the opportunity to meet with all of our witnesses or especially depose opposing witnesses to obtain affidavits and discovery. A lot of cases go to court without all of that preceding the actual hearing. Of course, there are those exceptions in cases that really matter, serious criminal cases, civil cases that involve large amounts of damages and so on and so forth. With that said, in that little preamble, let's get into our podcast here. Today, I'm going to be talking about cross-examination. This follows up episode one in which we talked about witness prep. We're going to talk about what we do when we're examining an adverse witness. And that's when cross-examination occurs, is when the opposing party's witness has already testified on what's called direct examination. And direct examination is the period in which the side presenting their case presents their case in chief, and they call their witnesses for cross-exam, excuse me, for direct examination. They put them on the stand, they ask them a series of open-ended questions, lead them through a series of scenes, usually chronologically, tell the story of the case, and, and the turns of telling that story they'll make sure that they spend significant time on key facts so that the jury understands how to decide the very hard issues in the case the purposes of cross-examination is to try to overcome the damage done during that direct i'm going to talk about three ways that you can make a cross-examination the most effective one is to organize your cross-examination in a persuasive and logical way Second is to make that examination persuasive by using various tools available to you to support your main points in your case theory. And thirdly is going to be the style that you bring to the case as an attorney. The interesting and dynamic style that you as the attorney present. First point I wanted to talk about is organizing the cross-examination in a persuasive and logical way. Now, I'll tell you, a lot of times attorneys, they just stand up and they just start digging into the witness about whatever is on the top of their mind and whatever is most important to them. But it is worthwhile to take some time and think strategically about this. Usually you want to organize in a way that you can get some concessions early on in the cross-examination, make it a little bit less adversarial in the beginning. Usually that's going to serve you well as an attorney to get the witness into the flow of being in agreement with you and following along, feeling like maybe you're not so much attacking them as much as you're just trying to serve the interest of truth and justice. Now, once you get them into that routine, then you can transition into the organizational structure of your cross-examination to a place where maybe you are going to be 
more on the attack and more presenting points that are not as agreeable to that witness. Let's talk about exactly how to arrange that cross-examination. You want to arrange a cross around the points that are being made. Now, if you remember a moment ago as I was introducing today's topic, I mentioned what's already happened before cross. Cross is on an adversarial witness. What's already happened is a direct examination. And I mentioned that in that direct examination, the attorney is usually going to be proceeding in a chronological way, scene by scene, so that the jury clearly understands each scene and what's transpired in the case, and they understand the story of the case. Your job on cross is to support your story, but not to tell your story. You're going to tell your story when you present your case in chief and you call your witnesses on direct. So you want to arrange your cross-examination around the big points that are going to be made in your cross. Organize these points around gaining admissions from the witness to the points that you're wanting to make. Hopefully, if you know your facts and you know what's true about the case and what the witness has to say on the examination then you're going to know your facts ahead of time and you're going to be able to gain those admissions. If you do know that and the witness refuses to give you the admission that you're seeking in order to make your big point, then you will have to work towards attacking that witness's credibility. You could do this with various forms of evidence available to you, uh, chiefly the witness's own words, their affidavits, statements they've made, a deposition that maybe they have completed in the past. If you do have to attack the witness's credibility, then you will do that by first asking the witness to acknowledge some simple bit-by-bit facts about the statements that they're making, hopefully leading to an admission that they weren't telling the exact truth, or possibly even having to impeach that witness by pulling out the evidence, making them confess that what's in the evidence, the affidavit, the deposition that came before is actually the truth, or that one or the other was not the truth. Last thing I want to say about organization of the cross-examination. A common mistake that attorneys make, because they really just don't know their stuff usually, and they're wanting to do something with the witness on cross, or maybe the witness is not that strong and they're just wanting to go back through some of the reasons why they weren't that strong, is that they'll repeat the direct examination. This is usually an insult to the judge or the jury or whoever's deciding the case, and is not usually a very good idea. Now, you may want to repeat some portions of the direct just to set up your big point, the admission that you're wanting to gain that wasn't covered in direct, but you don't want to just repeat direct examination for the sake of repeating the facts again that were already given. You want to only repeat it for the purpose of setting up a a mini scene, you might say, that supports the big point that you're wanting to make. And it's not a bad idea to do that. A couple bits set it up, and then go for the additional information that you're wanting that supports your case theory that was left out from those bits during the direct. All right, so that's how to organize cross-examination in a persuasive and logical way by the points that are being made, the admissions you're wanting to gain during that cross-examination. The second (coughs) aspect of cross-examination that I want to discuss in this episode, is how to make the examination persuasive. There are lots of different tools in the tool chest for making the cross-examination persuasive. 
the main one we just talked about, and that is to organize your main points around ideas that support your theory and theme, and then leave out the rest. If it's not supportive of your theory and going goes along and not going along with the theme of your case, then you probably just want to leave it out completely because you're going to be diluting your overall case theory and theme by covering the additional information. Another way to make your cross-examination more persuasive is to ask only questions to which you know the answer to and not to fish around. If you do have to fish, then make sure you plan your questions carefully so that if the wrong answer is received from the witness, the fact finder won't notice. The best way I have found to do this in my practice has been to ask smaller questions that surround the admission that you're wanting to gain first. Make sure all of those line up with the fact that you're wanting to get admitted, and then it's usually easier to get the admission you want or to to wash away the the wrong answer that's received and discount it and move on to another important point that you want to make. Think carefully before doing that because the wrong answer more than likely is going to dilute your overall cross-examination. You're going to spend time on it, which is going to make other big points seem less important and be very strategic in deciding whether or not you want to fish around for an answer that you don't already know the answer to. The next way to make your cross-examination persuasive, and this is one that every attorney should know and and does know, but amazingly enough, in my experience, unless it's a very formal trial that's been well prepared for, this rule is, is seldom followed as much as it should be, and that is to use leading questions and never ask an open-ended question. There's really no reason to, unless you have a friendly witness, which means they're not really an adversarial witness. They're just a witness called by the other side, which is just as much for you as as they are for the other side. So in that case, treat them like you're doing a direct examination. Let them help tell the story of your case. But if they are truly an adversarial witness, it just doesn't make sense. You should know your facts. You should be able to go through and tell the story as the attorney and use the courtroom to your advantage to where you're the star of the show and you're the one asking the questions and telling the story through the leading question. What is a leading question? You may ask if you're an inexperienced uh, attorney or mock trial student. A leading question is simply you stating the facts. A happened. B happened. And then C happened. Isn't that how it went. You could use the word correct, but you don't want to overuse it. A happened, correct. B happened, correct. C happened, correct. You'll notice by the time I say correct three times in a row, it gets a little bit redundant. It can be boring to the jury. So, And you don't need to add it. It's uncomfortable enough for a witness in silence that they're going to usually affirm or deny the statement of fact that you have made. So you can simply say, A happened, B happened. And then, of course, you've, you've done your bit by bit. You're ready to set up the big admission. You face the jury. You get their attention. And then you say, C happened. Maybe you hear the witness's admission, but then some kind of excuse. And then you maybe finish with the big punch. And C happened in this context or something like that so that you really push the point home and mitigate the damage done by a witness who tries to explain away that big admission. So ask only 
leading questions and ask only factual questions without asking for an opinion or a conclusion. Now, this is another reason why we ask leading questions, because if you ask, well, why did you do that? Or, you know, where did you go next? Or didn't you, you know, let that happen? Then you're asking for the witness to interject their own opinions and their own conclusions, which usually, if they're adversarial, are not going to be what you want to hear. And so no sense doing that. Make them seem more resistive to you and be more as though they're fighting you by only asking the leading question. And then when they do push back, it'll be obvious to the jury that that's what, in fact, they're doing and that they're trying to not acknowledge and admit what you're asking them to, which costs them possibly some credibility. Next way to make your cross-examination persuasive is to ask for how many facts at a time? Only one. One fact at a time. First of all, if you ask for more than one fact at a time, unless you've already established the fact and you're using it as a heading for the next fact you're establishing, you're probably going to get an objection for asking a compound question. It is a strategy you may choose to use to be persuasive to ask a compound question. In fact, I experienced this in class today where one of my sharp students wanted to establish that a rape had occurred, and so she <laughs> asked a compound question in, in which she said, after you had sexual intercourse with so-and-so, you then went and looked at a letter. That was the context of the question. Well, she had not established the relationship. She was trying to slide it in there in a way that made the wit- witness lose credibility and acknowledge something. And, of course, an astute attorney for the other side would have said, objection, you're on a compound question, and that point has not been established, and our witness has not had a chance to explain themselves. And the judge hopefully would have sustained that objection, and the attorney would have had to have backtracked without the witness ever addressing that question that was had that fact built into it and the attorney would have either had to limit their question to that other fact that they were trying to establish or they'd have to give the witness the opportunity to address the other fact that was uh, being questioned so only ask for one fact at a time another aspect of making a cross-examination persuasive is to avoid spending time on trivial matters i've already alluded to this before when i was talking about how to organize your cross You don't want to organize your cross around going back through all the facts. You don't want to organize it around the chronological, you know, going through every little thing that happened. Instead, you want to only make big points. You want to make the big points that get the admissions that you need to support your case theory. And that's it. If it's not in support of your case theory, then usually it's just not necessary and you don't need to spend time on it. And It gives the witness that much more opportunity to be adversarial, to make their story more compelling, and there's no reason to do that. So avoid trivial matters and only focus on the big points that support your case theory. Next, it's important on cross-examination to use simple language and short questions. Keep it short, keep it simple, then you're more likely to avoid the witness asking you questions back, asking for clarification, weakening your points, and instead you'll get into a nice little flow where the witness will say yes, 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 which is what you want. You want the you want to be up there telling the story to the jury, being the star, and having the witness just say yes, sir, yes, sir, yes, sir. That's that's exactly right. You know the facts of this case. Oh, and then it turns out on a closing argument, you're going to point out how all those facts you just got the witness to acknowledge hugely support your case theory and the way you believe the story should have been told. And that brings us to the next point is 
you build bit by bit. So, yes, you're focusing on a big main point. You're using simple language and short questions, and you're doing that in a way that you're building bit by bit. And then next point is that when you do get to that big key fact, you want to figure out ways to torture that key fact. You may want to do a double repeat where you get the key fact and then you say and so when that happened then you also did this and then double up on that fact by using it as a headline for the next question that's one way of torturing key facts another way to torture a key fact is the if you know you can get other facts surrounding the key fact acknowledged as well is to ask several more questions about that particular key fact that fill in every little detail about it as we just mentioned with the double double cross where you restate a fact to torture it, you can use headlines in a cross-examination. Use those headlines strategically to repeat only facts that have already been established so that you don't get an objection, and then to help set up the admission to the next fact that you're seeking, and that would be okay to do. You can also use headlines to shorten the cross-examination by saying, hey, in direct examination, when you were talking about this, let me take you to that point and I want to ask you a couple of questions and then bit by bit you then accomplish the cross-examination of the big point that you're wanting to make and finally you've done all of this in an effort to keep the cross-examination brief to get the main points you want and to go ahead and sit down okay you want to stand up be effective be efficient and keep that cross-examination as brief as possible (coughs) now as you do that The last thing we want to do to have an effective cross-examination is to use an interesting and dynamic style. Now, part of being interesting and dynamic is on a cross-examination is to be brief and efficient and to really focus on the big point. The jury is going to appreciate that uh, because they've already heard a tedious direct examination going through every little nuance of the scenes and all of that. So if you can avoid having to go through a whole new scene, that's best. Get to your big points. And as you're doing that, You become the star, maintain eye contact with not the witness. Of course, you're going to want to engage them at times in order to make sure they're answering your question and that they know that controlling them as the witness. But your eye contact should be with the decision maker. If you're having a jury trial, it should be with your jury. If you're having a mock trial, it should be with your judges who are rating you. If you're having a bench trial, it should be with the judge. Maintain eye contact with that person because you're the one who is telling the story at this point, making your points. As you do it, use a dynamic voice. Be clear-spoken. Use the tone that's appropriate. At times, you may use a very serious tone. At times, you may get very excited and say, you really did do this or something. And at other times, you may just, you you may want to be casual and soft, conciliatory, and maybe even empathetic to lead that witness into the truth of the matter for the point that you're trying to make that supports your case there. So use your dynamic voice and tone effectively. Use your gestures appropriately. A bad habit of mine is to talk with my hands. Try to work with talking with your hands intentionally. Demonstrate with your hands. Point out the evidence that exhibits the information using those gestures Use your facial expressions. Use your body positioning to be more effective as you go through your cross-examination. Now, these next couple of things are simple to do, but not always done. 
And the last couple of points I want to make about using an interesting and dynamic style. The first is this. If you're reading your questions, then it's going to be nearly impossible for you to be interesting and dynamic. I encourage you not to even write questions for cross-examination. Know your facts and your case well enough that you can work from an outline. It's okay to refer to an outline, especially in a, in a real-life trial. In mock trial, you've had chances to rehearsal and prepare and get ready. You really shouldn't even be using an outline. You've had it. You should have it in your head. You should know what you want to cover. You should know to order the points that you want to make them, the bit by bits that you need to cover. Just stand up and be the star. And don't read your questions. Don't even refer to your outline. Just go at it and be that prepared. If you're not that prepared, you're not ready to win at mock trial. This next one is really simple. But again, not always followed in real life. And that is remembering that cross-examination does not always mean being cross. Let me rephrase that. Remember that cross-examination does not mean ever being cross. Rarely, if ever, is it going to be to your benefit to be cross or mean to a witness. You better know that that witness has done something so offensive in the eyes of that jury that they deserve for you to be mean to them. If you're going to do that, that's going to be very rare and never in cross in, excuse me, never in a mock trial, only maybe occasionally in a real trial. So I have always found that the old adage that you attract more with sugar than you do with bitterness is true. And that applies in a trial as well. If you approach cross-examination as the person is there to tell the truth, they're there because they believe their story. They're not there to lie, cheat, or steal, or to be evil. Then you should be able to approach them that way. Doesn't mean you concede to them anything that you know not to be true. Instead, you get them to concede in the spirit of truth what is true and what is right. And it may take some patience to do that, but you don't need to be cross or mean to do it. So those are my three points for today about cross-examination. Organize your cross-examination in a persuasive and logical way by arranging it around the big points that are being made to gain the admissions you want. Remember not to repeat your direct. Make your cross-examination persuasive by making only points that are necessary that support your theme and theory and asking questions you know the answer to, using leading questions, and going bit by bit, torturing those key facts when necessary. And keep it brief. And then lastly, use an interesting and dynamic style. Maintain eye contact with the, the decision maker. Be dynamic. Use your voice. Use your tone. Use your gestures appropriately. And please don't read your questions. And in mock trial, be ready so that you don't even have to work from an outline and be flexible and able to think on your feet. And remember, there's no need to be mean. All right, guys, so that's my episode for today. We'll be adding more content, hopefully more regularly in the future as we delve into openings and closings and directs and everything else that goes on with trial. 